a quick hello and we're good to go. Welcome to the show, Daniel Alphonse. Wow, Jason, what an intro. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to speak with the brand guy himself. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you're the you're the LinkedIn organic guy, apparently. So uh, this is going to be an interesting conversation. Um, before we get going with the conversation about LinkedIn, I wanted to really quickly announce this. I'm super overexcited. The Knowledge Panel Checklist, Educate Google Like You Would a Child. We're going to be re releasing that in a few weeks. And it's completely free. 17-point checklist, how to educate Google, how to get a Knowledge Panel, how to manage it on Google. Uh, it's an absolutely brilliant job by the CaddyCube team, Katrina and Marianne and Elisa in particular. So that was my announcement for the day. I also have a quick sponsor mention. It's produced in partnership, as always, CaddyCube Tuesdays with Wordlift, our dear friends from Rome, the artificial intelligence you need to grow your traffic. And I wanted to talk about the CaddyCube process for agencies. Uh, you can manage the brand certs and knowledge panels for your clients there. And I've just realized I've written band and not brand certs. And uh, that's going to have uh, the, the knowledge panel, of course. Uh, what, what would you call it? Knowledge panel course built into it, where I teach agencies all of the geeky stuff I've learned about triggering knowledge panels. And I'm going to learn some more stuff today because LinkedIn is really important to Google. Despite the fact it belongs to Microsoft, Google uses LinkedIn a lot to get information. Um, so really, before we start, I have one question, which is the question you were just answering when we came on air. To what extent does LinkedIn change any information within LinkedIn? And to what extent does it push us to add information of ourselves? Cool. Uh, Jason, these are two separate questions. Link LinkedIn usually uh, heavily promotes us um, um, completing the profile. There are all sorts of prompts, and LinkedIn would ask you, Jason, would you like to do this and that? But LinkedIn will not change the information on your behalf unless something serious happens, like another user flagging you or something like that, or a technical uh, pro uh, problem like trying to use a duplicate email or something like that. But it's our responsibility as brand owners to make sure the brand is nicely and professionally uh, reflected on LinkedIn. Brilliant, uh, which is actually really important from at least my perspective because Google is trusting LinkedIn and, it, and so it's interesting us to talk about ourselves, which is terribly interesting, presumably because other people will flag you if it's not true. And LinkedIn seems to be quite a clean um, world. Am I right? I mean, cleaner maybe than Twitter, less spam, less spammy accounts? You're absolutely right in, in both accounts. Um, I, I'd mention this because th there, there has been some uh, uh, research around this and people may um, exaggerate on their CVs or their resumes, hmm. but they, they usually do that to, to a lesser extent on LinkedIn simply because of what you said. I know that my peers or my clients right. or my ecosystem or my subordinates are going to see this. So usually it's even more, um, uh, there's less gap between what we see on LinkedIn and real life because of that, uh, that perception and, and the fact it's a public platform. Right. Yeah, that, that's actually really, really interesting because from that perspective, you've got something like Crunchbase, which deals in facts and it's very, very kind of dry fact stuff. Mm -hmm. LinkedIn has a bit more personality, but the personality is held down by peer group pressure, whereas Twitter, it's just let loose and say anything. <laughs> yes. Um, there is also something else I'd like to stress. We, you mentioned the importance of, of LinkedIn in the eyes of Google. Mm. 
So uh, most of our listeners, if you tr- if they try to Google to Google their own name, mm-hmm. they would find that their LinkedIn profile is often at the top of the list. Without right. pay, without paying LinkedIn, without paying Google, this is organically one of the highest results. I'm, you know, you, you're an author of a book, and still your LinkedIn profile may top the Amazon result and the tech talk you had, and almost anything. So it's important not just to be there, but to appear in a professional way to your community. A hundred percent. I mean, the CaliCube process platform tracks brand SERPs, what appears when somebody searches a person's name or a company name. And LinkedIn is phenomenally present, uh, as you said, especially with people, uh, especially with professional people. Uh, a star, it would be a music star, for example, would probably be mm-hmm. Instagram or Twitter. And, and so you've got to look at the the area the person is, the industry. But LinkedIn, from a, a B2B and a B2C professional standpoint, phenomenally important, which makes this conversation even more relevant uh, to, to everything in the entire universe. Now, what I quickly <laughs> did was go onto your uh, profile, and I love this. Here's a video. How well does that work? <laughs> It makes you stand out. You know, it's very easy to upload a video. It took me less than 30 seconds in my car, but people still, when, I, when I'm when i on a call or a Zoom call and, and someone uh, Googles my, uh, or goes to my LinkedIn profile and I hear that, they're almost persuaded I jumped on their laptop or their device and, and tried to do that something. So it's it's easy. Uh, it's, a, it's a cover video. It could be up to 20 or 30 seconds long. It would initially play muted. Mm-hmm. That's the reason I added captions to it, and you can obviously change it. So, if you'd like to mm-hmm. to uh, promote the uh, um, uh, Wordly, if you'd like to promote the Calico process, you can upload that video, and maybe in two months' time, you'll have something else you'd like to do. So, simply update the video or use something else. Right? Yeah, because I did that about a year and a half ago, and I've realized a I paid much too much attention to it. When I look at yours, I spent hours figuring out the 30-second pitch and getting mm. it exactly right, getting the light right and, and, and all of that stuff. And I haven't looked at it again. I've just left it there, and I didn't put subtitles or, sorry, captions. Uh, so definitely something I need to revisit. But I, I kind of thought it's, it's a gimmick, but it works. Um, many, so many people uh, mention this when they speak to me, uh, and usually in a, in a Your neutral. Maybe yours or... works because it's funny. <laughs> You're too kind. Um, it, it's subjective. Okay, so yeah. some people will some people will say, you know what, I would never do that, but I like the idea or I like the way that you're educating us about the possibilities of having that. But my cover video is going to be that serious. I'm going to mention the way we save the planet. That's fine. It needs to be aligned with your personality. If you're a serious person, then a cover video would be the last place you want to start to try to, to be a funny or amusing. It has to be aligned with you. Right. No, that's a really, really good point. I think I can, I can actually now remember what I put in mind. Um, but that's definitely, note to the team, that's something we need to look at again because, in fact, mine should be, hi, I'm Jason Barnard, the brand set guy. I used to be a blue dog and I played double bass in a punk folk band in France. Uh, and by the way, I run a major international digital marketing agency that specializes in, in knowledge panels and brand SERPs. I've just written the script. 
and now I've just got to find something funny to make um, <laughs> to, to make it more personal. But I, I like yours because it shows personality, and it makes me want to talk to you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. It's uh, LinkedIn has increased the number and the rhythm of new features. Some of them are, are more hidden. Some of them are less hidden. It's important. It's uh, it's nice to try and, and play with uh, with new features and decide whether you want to rule it out or just know that it exists there. Yeah, right. And and a hundred percent. I was actually looking at it. It's interesting you say that because the first thing I did was look at your profile. I like the header image where you've put the latest upcoming events, and then there's an awful lot of information. You've filled this in incredibly well. Um, that, that's one question is how important is it to fill in your profile that well? Um, I think it's important to, let, let me ask you three questions. Who's the ideal reader you'd like to attract? Oh, good question. So let's say an, ag an agency owner uh, that wants to help their clients with SEO or SERP mm -hmm. for the sake of our discussion. And Jason, Jason, the second question would be, what action would you like them to perform if they visit your LinkedIn profile today? What would you like them to do after they read your profile? Right, yeah, because I've been looking at it as a CV, and mm. I should be looking at it as a way to present myself. What I want people to do next is a question I haven't asked myself and should ask myself. So at the minute, it's just kind of this mishmash of things I've put up mm. from time to time as it occurred to me or as LinkedIn asked me to do it. So this is exactly what I'd like our audience here to, to take away. If you're an employee and you're looking at one point, you'll be looking for a job, then yes, it, it's okay to have to, to consider it as a CV. Mm. But if you're a business owner, then it doesn't make sense because the reader is less interested in understanding whether you started the agency in April 2010 or May 2012, but they want to see what, what you bring to the table. And your profile yeah. shows that you have a very interesting banner. You have the contact information with the links, the Twitter link and calicube.pro and jasonbarnado.com. So within five seconds, I have a lot of information. There's the featured section where there are videos and other uh, elements. Mm. The, the Yes, it is, it is important to fill our, our profile simply because when we run a search, LinkedIn indexes everything on your profile from the headline to the skills. Right. So it is important that I'm not saying that everyone will actually read from A to Z the profile, but it makes it a lot easier for people to find you. Yeah, 100%. And that's the aspect of search engine. Now, what I love there is you've actually said the header was incredibly good um, mm -hmm. until we, we changed it as a joke um, to be the same as yours. Um, that, that was thanks to Joanne. But the header was actually Marianne <laughs> from the CaliCube team who, who designed that with Katrina. That was their genius idea. And then as you go down, it just gets steadily worse. So what we now, now need to do is look at that again and try and sort it out. And I think kind of most of us need to die saying, am I an employer or an employee? And what do I need to project? And what do I want the audience to understand and then do next? Brilliant. That brings us to the um, LinkedIn as a search engine. I had a quick look around here and I speeded it up because otherwise it's really boring. I looked your name up and I started looking in the posts and I looked at first connection posts in the last week. Loads of filters there that I'd never even bothered looking at. Um, and it, it's very personalized to me, uh, my mm -hmm. relationship with you, which is quite interesting. Then I thought, let's look up SEO. Let's see if we can do business by finding an SEO consultant or maybe uh, an SEO group to join or an SEO company. 
Um, so that, that, for me, was my first experience of actually bothering looking at those filters. But there are lots of filters, lots of opportunities to dig down and find information. Um, two questions there. Number one, how do you get in there? How do you make most of that? And number two, how much do people actually use it? And is it worth it? Excellent. So um, whenever when LinkedIn released information, there were billions of searches run on the platform hmm. each, each year. I'm not comparing it to Google, but many people simply forget about the search aspect of LinkedIn. Granted, uh, some uh, people use it more than others. Okay? Recruiters may use uh, LinkedIn search daily, where right. some business owners would hardly ever use the search uh, uh, facility that LinkedIn has. The ability for you to search is increased if you know what you're looking for. So if you're looking for an SEO agency, or if you're looking for a B2B service provider, or if you're looking for an IT specialist, or if you're looking for someone who could help you with keyword research, then the terms you would use on your search are important. Hmm. And another um, thing I'd like to mention, Jason, because you know so much about your specialty, the terms you would usually use are specialized terms. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, the clients or the prospect that you may want to work with are less educated and they would run basic search instead of entering the sophisticated terms. They would use very simple terms, terms that could be even inaccurate in your eyes. Mm -hmm. But if 30% of people call this X and it's wrong, then that X term needs to be somewhere on your profile. So I'll say this right for the human, but remember the algorithm. Right. Right, for, right for the human, but remember the algorithm. You could simply say, some people call it X, we call it Y. Right. So the X is there for the algorithm, and Y is for you to be frank about it and say, this is what we do. We're organic, we're A, we, we, we C, but you try to tell a story that includes the keywords. Brilliant. Okay, so it, and that's a really good point about the algorithm because it is a search algorithm. It is pulling this information out from an enormous database. The difference between Google and LinkedIn would then be that LinkedIn is a closed data set that they manage and it's in a database that they control. So it's very easy for them to order it, like Amazon is a similar situation, mm -hmm. whereas Google's looking at the mass of the web and trying to make sense of that. So LinkedIn, theoretically, and this is very theoretically for me, would be easier to trick. Uh, <laughs> yes. Okay. So let's let's mention some some uh, figures here. LinkedIn has 850 million users worldwide, give and take. And since you went live, thousands of people, Jason, have have uh, um, opened up a LinkedIn account every second as of November, October, 2022. Three people sign up. Wow. Okay. Most of the growth is outside of the U.S. Mm -hmm. LinkedIn is growing in the US, but most of the growth is actually in English speaking countries outside of the US. So yes, it could be easier for you to try and game the system, but initially you don't have to game the system. You need to stand up with what you'd like people to find when, when they're looking for you. Yeah. The, eas the easiest way to do it, let, let's perhaps, could I mention two examples? Yep, go ahead, please. Cool, so one would be for an employee and the second would be for, for a business owner. As an employee, I would simply ask myself, what sort of position am I going, am I uh, looking for next? Right. 
Perhaps I was um, an Instagram specialist and I'm looking to become a digital marketer. Perhaps I was a growth hacker and, I, and now I'm looking for a marketing director position. What I would do is simply find two or three detailed job descriptions that I would define as ideal for me. This is the ideal position. It doesn't matter whether they're based in, in Rouen or in Ottawa. It doesn't matter. It's just the description itself. Right. And what I would recommend is extracting or writing on an Excel spreadsheet 25 terms from each job description. And if you're doing this for two or three jobs, you'd have a bank of 50 or 60 keywords that you found on job openings. Right. Then you go to your LinkedIn profile and you basically look for those terms. And the employees would usually find many of those terms, but never all of them. Mm -hmm. And then you would short, shorten the list. Instead of 60 terms, you would say, okay, I have these 20 terms. And now let's think about the others. Which are the three most important keywords that I must add to my profile today? Mm -hmm. And next, where do I logically include that term? Thinking about the human reader. So if, if this is one of your uh, mm. specialties, it makes sense to write it in the experience section. If it's a side project, it makes more sense to add it as a project. If you know nothing about it, but you'd like to get into that, use the skills section. Right. Oh, that, that's a really nice piece of advice. Very simple. And what about uh, from the B2B doing business perspective as a company? Um, I mean, I think kind of just can I ask a really quick question and then say the more general question is, <laughs> I can consider the CaliCube company page and my own page to both be driving business for CaliCube because it's my company. Okay, there's often a gap if we're speaking about agencies and, and, and SMBs. The CaliCube page has uh, over 1,000 followers. You've been researching us. Thank you, John, <laughs> because otherwise he would have said five a year ago. <laughs> but you as, a, as, a, as the agency, or the, as the brand owner, you have more than 1,000. You have close to 8,100 followers. Mm -hmm. So even if you're a brand owner, and even if you want to improve your page, it makes sense for you to focus on your individual profile. Right. Oh, we've got Danielle who's stood up and has gone to answer the phone or got a coffee or close the door. Oh, we've well, lost the sound as well, I'm afraid. I'm sorry, I was muted for five seconds. Apologies. It's okay, no problem at all. That was an explanation for the people who can't see the screen who listen to the podcast. <laughs> so you were saying I've got CaliCube, which is nice and big, but my personal profile is going to drive the business better. Yes, when people visit you, they, they may also end up uh, going on the CaliCube page, but a page is basically static. Hmm. And even say, I, you know what, I now follow the page. You, as the brand owner, have no information about me, only an aggregate information, okay? Instead right. of 1,100, now we're 1,120. Whereas if we connected as individuals, then you would usually have access to my email. And that means you can leave the LinkedIn platform and communicate with me. It's like when you, when you published your book on Amazon and 20 more people bought it, then Amazon held the customer data. 
and you mm. received the, the royalties, but you did you could not know yeah. just based on Amazon whether Jane Doe from uh, Pasadena bought it or someone from Marseille. So yeah. it's imp it's important to have a page, but a lot of things will only happen through your individual profile and your staff. Yeah, I mean, with, with the book, The Fundamentals of Brand Serps for Business, I actually pushed it out through Amazon. I thought, oh, I can sell some of these and make some money. But in fact, you don't make any money. And the, the, the selling the book, you have to sell vast numbers of, of, of copies to actually make any money. And so it becomes more of a cooling card than anything else. And once again, not only do I not receive very much information, um, not very much money, but I don't get very much information about the purchases. So I have no opportunity to then move the business forward. Um, there were two questions, two uh, examples we wanted to mention. What one was about the uh, employee. Oh, right. And, yeah. And, and, okay. So we said ha analyze job descriptions, extract terms, and focus on the most important ones and try to include them smartly somewhere within your profile, thinking about the human reader. Right. If you use, just imagine I would look at some agency owner's profile and I would see their headline to say SEO, SEO, SEO five times. Then mm. as a reader, I would go and say, hey, what's happening here? That seems like a, a, a trial, someone who wants to game the system because mm -hmm. they're not, they haven't written it for me, for us as readers. They're re writing it only for the algorithm. So mm. it's a dangerous game. You always have to remember the human element. The, the objective is not only to drive people to their pro to your profile, but to make them stay. Hmm. And in order to make them stay, you need to share the truth. The, we deal with SEO. We help people found be found on Google. We help research. Everything is fine, but you can't. You need to be. It's like if we're, uh, I'm going to a meetup and I'm sitting next to you then these would be the terms I may hear. Or when you go and mm. speak on a conference, that could be the introduction. Okay, the MC would say, please welcome Jason Barnard. And then there would be some, some maybe two or three sentences about, about you. These yeah. are fine. And ab about a business owner, the quickest way to do it is would be to actually interview some people and understand what terms people would use when they're looking for their brand as a business owner. You could do it if you have a, a keyword research, if you know the answers, you basically uh, uh, find the terms and try to incorporate them into your profile or your page. Mm -hmm. And maybe the last thing you could do if, you're, um, if you want to really um, be on top of it is to look at a number of other results. Mm -hmm. Say I run a search for agency, owner, B2B, uh, LinkedIn, SaaS, and a number of other keywords, and I would find 20 people. And one way it's difficult to, to game the system is that no two people will see you in the same rank. All right. When you run the search, you will not find yourself. Mm -hmm. And when I run the search or someone who's connected with you, you would end up in different rankings based on LinkedIn. Right. So Which is really important to know. Yes, absolutely. And to, to go back to what we could do with other people, I'm sure that if you look up at uh, some agency owner, again, it doesn't have to be a direct competitor. It could be in, a, in, a, in an area you're not even remotely interested in, but you can always read and say, hey, that keyword is very important for us. I'm mm. not sure we've used that. And then you go to your profile and you, you double check. And if you see the term has not been incorporated anywhere, mm. 
-hmm. You thank the gentleman, you thank the lady, and you think, honestly, where would I put that term? Right. Yeah, okay. And and from, from that perspective, you're saying I need to put it in the most appropriate price, place rather than thinking whatever's at the top is the most important, whatever's at the bottom is least important, because it's segmented so precisely. It's yes. appropriateness that counts. Yeah, I think it. it uh, you need to, to stand up. To, not, not everything is uh, equally important for you. Mm -hmm. You could find terms that are up and coming and interesting, but they're niche terms. So a niche term, the place for a niche term would usually not be in your headline or not be above the fold. Yeah. Because what, what would happen is that some people who would see that, if someone doesn't understand the term, then they say, Jason may know a lot, but this is not relevant for us. So you would use that term, but you would put it somewhere below in the specialty or somewhere that would be good for the algorithm without harming the human perception. Okay. No, that, that's really, really um, insightful and really helpful. Um, what, one question that now occurs to me is all the people who, little, who put little icons in their title. Yes. I find that vastly annoying. <laughs> um, is it helpful? Is it not helpful? I mean, it's supposed to draw your eye. Um, Okay, two tests. Uh, when we run a search, then yes, we may find it. When you reorder your connections by name, then those gentlemen and those ladies would usually come up first. But oh, it's oh, it's like calling yourself Abba. Yes, exactly. As a if music group to come to come at the front of the records when people are going flipping <laughs> through the records in the record shop. Sorry. Back in the day with the yellow pages, that was the reason for AA whatever uh, yeah. whatever it was. <laughs> but the, the Aardvark Company Limited. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but what you said is actually more important because if we if we find you early enough, but we don't like it, then we're turned off. Mm. So there's a price for you if you're if you're happy to pay the price. And you say, I know maybe 70% will be turned off, but the 10% the that will be uh, attracted by this are the ones I want to work with, right. then fine. If you only try to game the system, it, it doesn't really work in the long term. Yeah, no, okay. So it comes down to personality and saying, well, I mean, I, I generalize terribly by saying it annoys me, but it doesn't actually annoy me. I mean, sometimes um, if, if you, uh, on Twitter, I see it a lot, and it seems to me more appropriate on Twitter than mm -hmm. it is on LinkedIn, which is probably what shocks me. But at the same time, <laughs> as well, you, I was talking to Kate Toon about this for, for her copywriting, and she says one of the aims of her copywriting is to get rid of the, the chaff, get okay. rid of the people who aren't truly interested before they get to the bottom. Okay, so it's it's a uh, it's a vast topic. We 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 uh, I will only mention this. You you're responsible for the way other people uh, what other people see in your profile, mm -hmm. but from my perspective, you're also responsible for the names of the mutual connections I see when I visit your profile and for the content you've decided Ooh. to share. If you only try to game the system, then at one point you pay the price. Right, no, and that's a really interesting point. I mean, the content shared, no problem at all. The the people with whom you are connected is actually very important because it does reflect, you recognize or, or, or understand somebody from the friends they hang out with. And if I'm accepting absolutely everybody as a, as a connection, then I'm obviously not focusing very much and just going for the volume. Right, and, and I'll, I'll also mention a price you may pay for that. If some, well, of, some of your revenues are based on referrals, then what, what do I see when I visit your profile? I see three names. 
Jason Sircon, Mickey Anderson, and Michael Dillon. Three podcasters. Oh and that means I'm able to reach out to each and every one of them and say, can you introduce me to Jason, please? Because mm -hmm. I've built a minimal relationship with them. But imagine I would know, I would not know these three people, then I would not be able to reach out to you. And the worst thing is that if you look me up and you see those three people and say, I only know one of them, I will not be there to tell you, you know what? Forget about Jason. Forget about Josh. I'd like you to ask Mickey. That's what I that's that's what I mean when I say your connections have to speak for themselves. If someone reach out to a connection of yours, the answer you want is Jason is the go-to person if you'd like your syrup, your brand syrup to improve. And not Jason who? No, no, I have no idea. Maybe he sent me a connection request. Don't oh, be that yeah. person. No, no, no. Yeah, definitely. I've made some mistakes. Now, would it be a good idea to go through and clean up the connections? Uh, it would be a good idea to decide whether in the long term you'd like to be the most connected or the best connected. And you need mm. to decide what system you put in place for you to be to keep in touch with people. It's it's uh, challenging when you have thousands of people. Yeah. It, it may be challenging even if you have, you know, 300. If you're happy keeping up with people and helping other people and making introduction, you could have a large network and you'd be would gain a lot of exposure. Probably mm. the worst the worst area to be is somewhere in between where you only gain <laughs> marginal exposure and you manage to water down the quality of your network. That is the most brilliant piece of concluding advice I've heard in a long time. And I do like the fact that I'm probably right smack in the middle of uh, my bum between two chairs, as we say in French. Um, so definitely a lot of work for us to be doing at CaliCube. I think a lot of really, really, really useful information there. I'm absolutely thrilled to have had you on today, um, helping out with, for me, understanding how this works better. Thank you so much, Daniel. Um, we're going to pass the baton now for next week. We have Stacey Hall talking about how to make sales by staying in your comfort zone. That's going to be really interesting because comfort zones are, by definition, comfortable and making sales is, by definition, going to make you some money and hopefully buy you a house, which is what I'm going to do next year. <laughs> Daniel. Stacy, I wish you uh, an excellent episode with uh, Jason on Calicoop Tuesday. I had a lot of fun and I look forward to tuning in next Tuesday live to hear how we can improve ourselves without leaving our comfort zone. Please forgive me for not singing. That's the best I could do. I'm only human and I'm a man at that. <laughs> right. Brilliant. That was a lovely passing of the baton. Thank you so much, Daniel. I will sing a quick goodbye to end the show. Thank you, Daniel. And thank you, everyone, for watching. <laughs> Bye. See you soon. Merci beaucoup.